Get ready for biblical preaching and teaching. I am Pastor Adam Bigelow. Isn't it time to get unstuck? This is the Reaching Forward Podcast. After 65 years of marriage, my grandpa still calls grandma, honey, sweetie, baby, and sugar. I asked him for the secret to keep love alive so long. He said, well, truthfully, I forgot her name 10 years ago. I'm afraid to ask her. (laughs) This woman said... My husband, you know, he's one of those guys that says he can do a lot of stuff, but he really can't. Like he said, he can read my mind, but he can't. And someone said, well, what do you call that? Telepathetic. (laughs) If you've ever stood in a, maybe uh, been in a church and maybe you've even said something like this. I take you, and then the names are inserted, or maybe you heard someone say that. To have and to hold, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. To love and to cherish till death do us Celebrate, no, part according to God's holy ordinance. What is that? Those are called marriage vows. And and I said those because really chapter seven is about developing commitment. And and Paul talks about marriage and answers some questions that the church had, and they had written to Paul, someone had in the church, and so Uh, In verse 1, we're going to see him start to answer questions, not just in chapter 7, but as it continues, uh, that the church had questions. And you know what? There's some good questions to have about God's word. And thank God Paul answers some of them. So let's look at developing commitment. Corinthians chapter 7, developing commitment. And one thing, when you commit your life to Jesus Christ, that commitment begins to spread to other parts of your life. And really, that's our desire. If you discipline yourself in one part of your life, it's a blessing because it will spread to other parts of your life. A character development in one area of your life spreads to other parts, and it is really a natural occurrence. So verse 1 to verse 2. To make a commitment to living a pure life. And this is really what it is. When you get saved, you just want to be right. You know, and I, when I got saved and I would, I would sin or mess up, people say mess up. Like my daughter said, it was an accident. <laughs> right? Like every day. Right? So, but then I would feel this unease. I would, I would not feel the peace of God. And I began to realize I need to keep this peace of God in my heart. And, and it's, it's something that I enjoy. And it's a contentment with God and his peace and his grace. So the first few verses, verse 1 and 2, commit to living a a pure life. And he said, now concerning, verse 1, the things whereof ye wrote unto me. So he's answering their questions. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Preacher, I, I shook this sister's hand and we're not married. Am I a sinner? That's not what it means, okay? 
The word from the Greek means to cling to, okay? That's what he's talking about. Uh, why? Because hugging leads to preacher. One thing led to another, right? Most people, when they're shaking hands, that doesn't like, you know, you know, but, but still, as a preacher, I don't shake people's hands for 15 seconds if it's someone of the opposite sex, okay? So, but Paul said, he didn't say it's forbidden to give a woman a hug, okay? He said it's a good thing not to go around hugging a bunch of ladies, okay? That's what Paul said. He's just using common sense, right? So uh, it's not wrong to do that, but he said, hey, that just, it can get you in trouble. So that's, it was just advice, okay? So verse two, nevertheless, here's the remedy. Say, preacher, but I want to hug a woman. Don't most men want to hug a woman? And Paul said, so if you really want to hug a woman and lead one thing lead to another, he said, okay, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. And let every woman have her own husband. So, say, preacher, but I want to do that kind of stuff. Praise God. Get married. That's what Paul said, right? So you can still live a pure life and just enjoy. The Bible says uh, that marriage is honorable among all. And the Bible also says this, that the marriage bed is undefiled. It's, it's not a place of, of uh, it, it, look, and people do, do things differently now, and I'm thankful, but years ago, Martin Luther that started this church age of Protestantism, he got married. Now, he was, a, he was a monk. His wife was a former nun, and they realized their freedom in Christ. You know what they did? They got married. This is in 1500s in Germany, okay? Do you know what they did? On their marriage night, they had a witness in their room that watched. This is a historical record. I know, say, preacher, why? Because to validate that they're actually uh, taking their, you know, uh, having their marriage act. Say, preacher, that's not, we don't do it that way today, okay? But that's what they did in Germany in 1500. But you see, it wasn't considered dirty because they were married. And that's, that's what Paul is saying it was an undefiled practice. And you say, well, preacher, in, in the Garden of Eden, right? They went back and they were naked and they weren't ashamed. Why? They were married. Again, we don't do that in our church today, okay? So don't look for that. If someone wants to come along and, and uh, be with you on your marriage night, you tell them what you need to tell them, okay? But that's, my point is, if you live a pure life and you're married, that's, that's not a wrong thing to do. It's actually a blessing. And God ordained it and God made it. Verses three to six. Speaking of hugging, okay, so if you get married, let the husband, so this is after you've gotten married, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence. What's that? Kindness. And likewise, also the wife unto the husband. Now, some of this stuff is rated PG, so I don't want to offend anybody, but this is, we're just reading the Bible, right? So I don't, if you don't know what that means, that means if your wife wants Dr. Pepper time, so what's that? Okay, ask your friend, okay? If, if your wife wants Dr. Pepper time and you don't feel like it, you need to render her that kindness and have Dr. Pepper time. If your husband wants Dr. Pepper time, but you have a headache, then you need to render him that kindness of Dr. Pepper time. Like the husband came up to the wife one night. She was reading in bed, you know, and had a glass of water and some aspirins. 
And so he said, here you go, honey. And she looked up and said, what's that for? And I said, some aspirin. For what? For, for your headache, honey. She said, I don't have a headache. He said, good. <laughs> and then, anyway, so. <laughs> for the wife hath not power or authority over her own body. That's getting real, isn't it, right? But the husband... No, that's not what it says. This is, this is the Bible that people hold up when they say they believe Jesus, but this is what it says, okay? And likewise, the husband hath not power over his own, of his own body, but the wife. And, and this is done in love. It's not some legalism and you have to. That's when you get married, you want to minister to your other side, right? Because if you're, it's called happy wife, happy life, but it's called happy spouse, happy house. And really, if, if say, well, preacher, my wife or my husband, look, happy house, happy spouse. You do what you need to do to minister to that person, and you're a team, you're together, you're one flesh. The Bible looks at it this way. Defraud ye not one the other. And it speaks of holding back that Dr. Pepper time. If no one knows what I'm talking about, ask someone after the Bible study, okay? Except it be with consent for a time, all right? That you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and eat dinner and read your Bible and, you know, uh, wash your clothes. You got to do other things in life, right? And come together again that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Incontinency is lack of control, right? And then he said, look, but I speak this. So he said, but I speak this by permission and not of commandment. He said, you don't have to get married, okay? If you choose to get married, get married. And he's going to go on to say that he was a single guy and he was content because he had the gift of control, right? Which most people don't have that gift, right? But, but the Bible says, have you ever had someone defraud you they, in, in life? And it's a crime. But the Bible speaks about if you hold back yourself from your husband or your wife. And yes, there's, there's you know, limits and people have their own, everyone's got their own way of doing things and there's time for other things. But if we do that, the Bible calls it fraud. I mean, that, uh, and that's a crime in God's eyes, right? That's a crime. You can take someone to court. So it's a serious thing. So, but like I said, I'm dealing with commitment. So marriage is a serious thing. But why would anyone want to get married? You know what? I think it's a real blessing to be married. And it's, it's awesome. We have, we have a good time. You always have someone to make fun of you. And you always have someone to make fun of, right? I mean, it's just, it's a blessing. It's a team and it gets better. But there are ways to do it right do it right. It's a pun, right? And there are ways to do it wrong, okay? So verse 7, Paul talks about this permission. He said, I'm not commanding people to get married. I'm not commanding people to be single. He said in verse 7, for I would that all men were even as myself. He wasn't married. But every man have his, hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. I say therefore to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them to abide, it is good for them if they abide even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. Which doesn't mean to light on fire, but if you're always thinking about hugging and Dr. Pepper time, just get married to a Christian person, right? Verse 10 to 16. So once you've made that commitment, don't use God as an excuse if things get tight, right? And unto the married I command, yet not I. So this is to the Lord, right? Let not the wife depart 
from her husband. Marriage is a serious commitment. God meant us to be married, and that's why I said, till death do us part, right? And it's, and it's a serious thing. So that's what he's saying. And the church had questions. And a lot of times, and you, you see it, there's all kinds of people that just said irreconcilable differences. Look, my wife and I are irreconcilably different. But that does not mean we're getting divorced. I mean, she is completely different than me. Okay? Uh, and just in about every way. Okay? Food. Uh, we, we are different. And yet... We say the same things. So, I mean, there's, that's a growing together where she'll come up to someone and say something and she'll walk away. I'll come up and say the same thing, having not spoken to my wife. And the person will look, their eyes will get big like, weird. Why? One flesh, right? But it says, but and if she depart, if she's separated, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away or divorce his wife. And, you know, there's times where people need to get separated. So, but God just says, I don't recognize what we call irreconcilable differences. Now, if you want to go to live in separate houses for the rest of your life, it says, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. That's a choice. Some people can just kind of just step and just, you know, just be separated uh, for the rest of their life. No, that's no, that's no fun either. But or come back together with their partner, that's a good thing to do, you know? And, and really, marriages, people don't fall out of love. I've said this before, and I got it from someone else. We fall out of repentance. We don't repent of some hardness in our heart. You know, you get like, you know, this, this, you know, they do something to you, and you just let it grow and let it grow, and it takes on a life of its own. And just say, wait a second, you know, forgiveness works, right? Didn't we ask God to forgive us? Why don't we ask, you know, them... Uh, ask their forgiveness or uh, just forgive them anyway. Don't even ask. Why? Because the Bible says we're supposed to love our enemies. At least we can love our spouse. I mean, <laughs> right? I was like, I had uh, something against my wife. It was some argument, disagreement we were having. And I was like, wow, God dealt with my heart. If you can love your enemies, at least you should be able to love your wife, right? I mean... <laughs> Right? So God just kind of like smote my heart. I'm like, oh, okay. Right? So, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. Okay, listen. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him. So this is a couple that had gotten married, and then the husband got saved. So they were both not Christians, and the husband went to a revival or something, or, you know, went to a church service and got saved, and she didn't for whatever reason, okay? But they're still married. So don't, he said, if she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. Don't say, well, I got saved. I need to get me the Christian look. I need to get me a new Christian wife. And, you know, like this man said, I, I got a dog for my wife. It was a good trade, right? No, but that, that's what people he's, were doing, right? It's like, man, I got the new Christian thing. I'm going to get me a Christian woman, two sizes down, right? No. And it said, if for the unbelieving husband, excuse me, verse 13, and the woman, so it goes both ways, which hath an husband that believeth not. So you've got a Christian woman, an unbelieving husband. If he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. Don't, let's not use God to make, a, you know, make our life easier just so we can get out of a, you know, a hard situation. Let's not say, well, you know, God led my, you know when people say that, you know, God's been dealing with my heart. But he only deals with people's heart to do something that's easier for them. 
You never heard some. You know, God's been dealing with my heart to come in to work at 9 a.m. You know, but everyone else gets there at 7. You know, but you see a lot of people, they'll say it's God, but God in the Bible doesn't deal with people's hearts to do things that they want to do. It's like God deals with Moses' heart. Hey, go talk to Pharaoh. He's like, me? I, I don't know how to talk. I mean, that's what God does, okay? God does things that you're like, mm, go, go, go talk to that eunuch in the, in the, in the chariot, okay? Like, <laughs> but he did it, right? But it wasn't things that make us comfortable. But then you'll know it's probably God, right? Amen. No. Say, what, what, what's dealing with my heart about going to bed? You're tired. That's you, right? That's a little voice that says you're tired. That's normal. That's all of us, right? So for the unbelieving husband, here's the reason to stay together, is sanctified by the wife. The believer blesses the people that they're around, okay? If you're a believer, you bless your job. If you're a believer, you bless, uh, you bless the house that you're in because you're hooked up to God. And the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now they are holy. Now, your kids aren't saved if one of the people is, is a Christian. But you know, your kids are blessed because of the believing person in the house. That person prays for the child. That person gives the witness of, of Jesus Christ. So the kids also follow the habits of, there's a lot of people, you read about them, they had like maybe an alcoholic dad, but a praying mom. And they chose to follow the faith of the praying mom. The kid was blessed by the believing party. And there's a reason to keep a family together too. If there's kids, man, there's a mommy and a daddy. The kid has the mommy and the daddy. If it, if it works out, right? But then in verse 15, real life. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. I mean, if someone's just like, I'm out of here, and they just desert the, the spouse, it said a brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. If they're just going to walk out on you, you know, they've dissolved the marriage bond and deserted you because of your faith. It happens, but he's answering the church's questions. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Here's another appeal. You don't know who you're going to affect. Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? I think it was uh, Tony Evans, the pastor, and he's already an older man now. His wife has gone on from this life already. He shared that his father got saved before his mother. And his mother gave him a hard time. So this is when he was growing up. And his mother would say, you know, I give you such a hard time. You know, basically, how come you just treat me better every time I give you a hard time? And the father got to explain what happened to him. And she gave her life to God. And then, of course, Tony Evans, this little kid, gave his life to God and becomes this world-known preacher. Why? Because the husband didn't put away his wife and birth the preacher because of it. You never know what you're going to do if you can just hang on for a little while. Because God blesses commitments that we make. God works through a commitment, especially a relationship. But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. Is any man called being circumcised so you got saved and you're a Jew? Let him not become uncircumcised. Now, circumcision was a sign of the old covenant, okay? Delicate operation that was done on men. And he said, basically, don't try to defile that 
sign or uh, uh, evidence of the old covenant. And I don't know how you defile it, you know, in in practice, but spiritually, just just let it go, okay? And he said, is any called an uncircumcision? Excuse me. Let him not be circumcised because that new, the new covenant, that operation that you have uh, for the old covenant, it doesn't have any meaning in the new covenant. It says circumcision in verse 19 is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. I mean, Paul's like, do I make myself clear, you know? And he said, but the keeping of the commandments of God. You know what Jesus said? If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. In verse 20 to 24, he alludes to this. He says, grow where you're planted. Every man must be content, right? So let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. And that's where that word vocation comes from, really. Vocare, I think it's Latin. It means to be called, right? Like when you get vocal, right? A vocation. And it says, art thou called being a servant? And some people were servants. Some people were slaves. Care not for it, but if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. So some people were like, you know what? I'm a servant or I'm a slave. I'm just going to leave my master when I got saved. But Paul's like, look, just serve God right where you are. And you know, that's a big thing. Grow where you're planted. Well, I got saved. I'm going to get a new job. I'm going to get a new car. Just, just stay where you are and let God, God can open amazing doors. But just stay where you are and serve God. He said, for he that is called in the Lord, being a servant or a slave, is the Lord's free man. So God's freed you. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant or slave you are bought with a price and he's sharing about what god god is the one that buys us and it's a commitment and a relationship to god and he says be not ye the servants of men and we have to realize you know that the first commitment that we all have as a christian is to the lord and so what if the cop says this what if your husband says this what if your wife says this If God's commandments say otherwise, I don't even have to pray about it. Right, because I'm not going to be the servant of a man over Jesus Christ. And you know what? Hopefully you never have to be put in that situation. But thank God I've already got one of those made up minds. Why? I want to go to heaven. (laughs) Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. So just keep God where you are. God knows how to bless you. Keep God where you are. So... Verses 25 to 40, and this might seem different because we're in a different area of society, but commit to listening to good advice. So they had some questions about virgins here is, uh, has nothing to do with Madonna, right? Why would someone who is expressly not a virgin sing a song like a virgin? Maybe, it's, I don't know, but now this virgin means an unmarried woman. That's what a virgin is. So and virginity is someone who hasn't been with a man. So that's what it's talking about here. So an unmarried daughter. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. Yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. So he's giving commandment based on the persecution that's going to be coming because of this guy named Nero. Look him up. He was a bad emperor. 
and he accused the Christians of burning Rome, even though Christians probably didn't do it. Okay, Nero probably did it because he wanted to do a, one of those HGTV remodels for the whole city. It's true. So he just had it burned down so he could make it in his image, right? And it was going to be blamed on the Christians. So Paul was saying, in light of this persecution, I'm giving you some advice, okay? He said, art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loose. Don't try to change that right now. Are you loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife. It's not the time to, when, when I was in Bible school, we used to go to the wall, right? And uh, you'd, you'd kind of, you'd, you'd court when you were in Bible school and it would be kind of in a fellowship hall and you'd go over there and talk to your boyfriend or girlfriend. Say, preacher, why so like 1950-ish? Because we're preachers. And you know what? I think it's okay. There's a lot of bad press about preachers out there, but I think overdoing it in a good way, that's all right. And, uh, uh, but he said, it's not the time to go to the wall, okay? I don't even know if they do that anymore. So that's like a different dispensation. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And if a virgin marry, she hath not sinned. Nevertheless, nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. So, say, you know, when you get married, you're expecting to have a new apartment, new furniture. He said, you're going you're gonna to face some, some troubles because of the coming persecution. You might be out in the streets. Wouldn't that be something to be married? All we need is love. And the other one's like, look, the song is good, but I want an apartment with air conditioning, right? We can sing that song later, right? But verse 29, but this I say, brethren, the time is short. The persecution's coming. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they that had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. So he's going to say that a lot of your priorities are going to get turned upside down and we have a current inflation. Maybe you saw that you were going to go do this, but then you filled up your car with gas and your budget's gone, right? So, I mean, things can change really quickly. I yell at the, 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 gas, the gas pump to stop, but it doesn't listen. It just keeps going. So, stop, stop. I haven't busted $100 yet, but, you know, we were getting up there. So, But I would have you without carefulness. He said, don't worry, that he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord. How? He may please the Lord, but he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. And you know, it's, it's not that you don't care about God when you get married. You have something called priorities and then have a kid, right? It's like diapers. I remember we used to go buy diapers and it was like you're looking for the biggest pack possible because we would buy a case of wipes, right? And you're like, oh, look, diapers, get the, the wipes for free. And you're looking for all the deals, right? And it's just like 30 bucks and 20 bucks. And you're like, where do people get all this extra money, right? So your priorities, you're not like, you know, giving extra offerings to the church and stuff. You're buying diapers, right? And baby food and formula and whatever else. The same thing, when you get married, it's not that you don't care about God, but you've just got other things to do. And then your husband gets sick and then your wife gets sick and then... Usually it goes that way, right? After we had our baby, the wife got sick, and I think I got sick, and you know it, it just passed around. So your priorities are a little different when you get married. It's not that you don't care about God. you got lots going on. That's what Paul says. Okay, and says, so in verse 34, in the next few uh, ver uh, verses, back in the day, in ancient uh, you know, Greece and Rome, 
the father had the sole possession of the daughter. And you see remnants of this now. No, we were free. Okay, in your marriage, how many of you said, and the preacher says, who giveth this woman to be married? What do you mean? She can marry whoever she wants, but it's still in our marriage ceremonies, isn't it? What does the dad say? I do. Like, really? No, we don't have property to give this woman in marriage. I think my mom didn't do that in her marriage. They didn't want to do that. But back then, they absolutely could say yay or nay. You're getting married, girl, or you're going to be a perpetual virgin because daddy said so. That's pretty rough, but that's what Paul is talking about. You say, well, I don't like that. Look, not everything is 21st century America, okay? He said, there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord that she may be both holy in body and spirit. She that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. Again, uh, priorities. And this I speak for your own profit. Not that it may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, that ye may attend upon the Lord without a distraction. So here's where he's going to talk about the dad. If any man or dad think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin, if she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will, he sinneth not, let them marry. So he's like, well, I already told her she was going to be a perpetual virgin. And it's like, Daddy, I want to marry Romeo. And so Paul said, look, it's okay. You're not changing if you've committed her to the Lord for the rest of your life. If she changed her mind and want to get married, you're not sinning before God. He's talking to the father. Let her marry. And you say, well, that's not culture today, but it was back then. And dads were very serious about this. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but hath power over his own will and hath so decreed in his heart that he keep his virgin, doeth well. Say, if, you know, if, uh, if uh, you've made your decision, that's okay too, to the fathers. So then, and this is Paul's judgment. He's not saying that this is God. So then he that giveth her in marriage doeth well. But he that giveth her not in marriage doeth better. And maybe it's also because he could support his daughter and didn't have to give her in marriage. There's other reasons besides the perpetual virginity thing, okay? The wife is bound, and then in verse 39 and 40, the wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. You ever heard that till death do you part? That's God's design. And yes, there's a few reasons that the Bible understands. Jesus said adultery is one of them that you can get divorced before the Lord. Uh, of course, if your spouse dies. And then if your spouse deserts you, and we, we talked about what Paul said, you can dissolve that marriage because of your faith. But the Bible says, after her husband's dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord, mean to another Christian. And it says here, but she is happier if she so abide, single. That's what Paul said, because of the coming persecution, okay? That's why Paul said that. Even after my judgment, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. He's a little bit of sarcasm in the end right there. But he was giving advice, and so I want you to take this as the Word of God, but also it's soaked in the time of the persecution that's coming. So you have to understand it for what it is, and don't think that it's for today, some of the things were because of the present distress. So you have to kind of color that all the way through the chapter. If you have any questions for me, um, I'll see if I can answer them after the Bible study. God bless you is our prayer. We're going to dismiss in prayer. Brother David, did you dismiss us? See you Thursday. Amen. Oh, dear Lord.